in crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Gonzo, also known as Super G, is joining us on this Monday. And Andrew Cashflow, a.k.a. the Cashflow King, is joining us. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how the collapse of the U.S. dollar is happening as we speak, with new studies revealing that nearly all United States banks are technically insolvent, meaning the storm is yet to begin. Gary Gensler is doing his best to push crypto away from the United States, now claiming his agency constitutes what's a security, not the legislation. Coinbase chief legal officer has come out in support of Ripple against the SEC, claiming that his exchange should relist XRP according to existing laws. And was Bitcoin built to fail? Our friend Quincy Jones makes the case why Bitcoin could be the worst economic disaster of our time. And with XRP's price chart looking more bullish than ever, we break down the details, showing our community how this digital asset is shaping up to be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Gonzo, a.k.a. Super G, has kicked Johnny off the top of the screen. So I'm going to follow your lead here, Gonzo. I'm going to you first on this Monday. How you feeling, my friend? And thanks for making time for us, as always. I'm feeling outstanding. Uh, I had a great weekend. It, it kind of went by really quick, but 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 it was cool. I got some Merlin work done and stuff. That That's all coming along with the API keys and stuff. And so, yeah, man, it's going to be a great show. Just want to shout out Mary. Mary's one of our warriors that um, has her own business that does crystals. I think it's called Divine Spirits. Uh, so I got my bracelet, Mary. So thank you for that. But uh, yeah, man, it's going to be a great show. That's awesome, Gonzo. And shout out to Mary. Awesome product there. But Johnny, you're going second today, but the pressure, it's still on you, my friend. We're going to be talking about Ripple possibly getting support from Coinbase and how quickly XRP could be listed on that platform. But how are you feeling this morning, my friend? And thanks for making time for us, as always. No pressure, my friend. I'm feeling great. My ribs hurt a little bit. I was laughing so much Saturday night. I went to see Jim Brewer live in a, in a comedian concert. He was freaking hilarious. But first of all, let me just say good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys and apps. We got a lot of good news. And more importantly, we got a very, very, very exciting guest on Wednesday. I am super excited. Can't wait to hop on the call with Jeremy Hogan. And we'll find out what's really going on with XRP. Then. Really exciting. And a lot of people are talking about how that summary judgment was anticipated on March 31st. So we're going to ask Jeremy Hogan when the next key date is. So that can, come, <laughs> that can come and go and we can talk about it on our show. But Andrew Cashflow, always happy to see you. How are you feeling on this Monday? And thanks for making time for us. Hey, good morning, everybody. Always nice to see you guys. Always see so many people in the in the chat, of course, so many viewers. Uh, yeah, I had an excellent weekend. It was just as short as Gonzo's weekend. So uh um, yeah, I'm looking forward to a great show again. Actually, a lot of stuff is happening at the moment here, but uh, uh, yeah, let's first uh, do a great show here. Awesome. And we're going to start this show off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. We're about 40 followers away from 3,500. Thank you to everybody following our account. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in greed this morning, sitting at a 63, Johnny Crypto. And when we check out some of the daily movers, SXP is one of the only green bubbles on the board today. We are basically red across the board. INJ is up 7%. Mask is up about 33 
We check out the total coin market cap. We are sitting at 1.16 trillion total market cap this morning. Bitcoin is 46% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 27,900. Ethereum, 1,800. XRP, barely holding this 50 cent range. Just sitting above 50 cents, up about 11% on the seven day. We've got Cardano at 38, Avalanche at 17. And let's scroll down to one of our favorites, Quant Network, sitting at about 125 this morning. And guys, we're only four minutes into the episode and we've got 244 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Thank you for being here on this Monday morning. And Johnny Crypto, why don't you fill our listeners in? What are some of the projects that you were watching over the weekend? And with all this bullish momentum from March, are we destined for a bearish April? Yeah, I always felt that this was going to be an unsustainable pump. We were going to get a short little one and was never excited about this one. In fact, it just kind of prevents me from buying because I can't buy as we're going up, right? So I got a hold. But I have been looking at a couple things. I've been looking at IMX. I've been, you know, a lot of people say, hey, Johnny, check out IMX. Uh, so that's Immutable X and also eGold so, or EGLD. So I've been looking at those two apps. I got an eye on those. When they pull back, when the time is right, I may, I may grab some of those. But um, the reality is what I'm really looking at more is preservation of long-term capital right now and methods and techniques to do that based on all the banking stuff that's happening. So gold, silver, real assets, real estate, stuff like that is, uh, you know, things I'm looking at. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Johnny, you would love uh, to hear, I, I know you're going to love it and Ab's going to love to hear this too, is that um, Waters Above did his two-year anniversary episode live on his Sunday podcast and he charted quant. Uh, and he did confirm that quant has already had its automatic rally, and he was calling for a $60 quant in the future when we roll back yes, down. That's so, what I'm waiting we'll for. See if that plays out. I know you guys are going to be excited about that. So, thank we'll you, guys, for sharing that information. Yeah. I've been waiting for a $60 quant, like I've been <laughs> I kept waiting for a you know, 10k Bitcoin. So, let's see if it happens, man. If it does, I'll tell you right now. You're going to hear the reverse sounds because as I'm back yeah. to that bad boy. Yeah, it'll be later on it, later on in the year, right? We're, we're still in the middle of the automatic rally. Gonzo, yeah. I want to hear your thoughts here because we've been talking about this throughout the week, how Quincy put out a Twitter thread talking about how Bitcoin could be the worst economic disaster of our era. And we're going to be breaking that down throughout today's episode. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. We experienced some sort of an automatic rally throughout March when it came to Bitcoin, reaching just below $30,000. What are you anticipating? Do you think we'll get some higher highs in April or are we beginning our bearish trend here? Yeah, I mean, we could talk about the, the Quincy Post after, but as far as uh, what I'm expecting, um, I still, um, I'm still i still looking at more upside, right? Like we're, we're holding structure. We're moving sideways while our RSIs are, are resetting. And so I, I still think that, you know, uh, we have some room to go up. Uh, and then when we get to the eclipses, like, you know, like, like Waters has been talking uh, about, you know, sell in May, walk away. So we still have a, a little bit more time. So that, that's what I'm looking at. I'm not looking at it to roll over just yet. Absolutely. And Andrew, I'd love to get some thoughts from you as well. We're showing our listeners a chart right now showing that 73% of all Bitcoin that's ever been purchased is sitting in profit right now. And we know that what Johnny Crypto says, whenever we get into greed, that's a time when we should be considering taking profit in this market. And it seems that some of the whales are, as these indicators show, we are entering a green bubble phase, meaning people are starting to sell their Bitcoin because they're in a profit. So Andrew, before we get into our XRP content for today's episode, how do you feel about Bitcoin's price chart? 73% of all purchasers, they're, they're making money right now. I, I hope they are making money, you know, because a human, a human mind is just the other way around is what you need in the markets. You know, when it goes up, you must sell. And when it goes down, you must buy. 
and it's it's so difficult for for humans to do that but that's why you need a plan and that's why you need a strategy you need an entry strategy and johnny of course an exit strategy and that, that that's so important because you have to switch off your emotions and actually what uh, what you already said um, i'm not buying at the moment no i'm waiting for a dip again and then i go in again at 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 particular amounts and and then when it goes up again i sell again and you know that's what i'm doing at the stock market all the time you know i was at, at for just to make a comparison i was in in, in alibaba and it's going up i mean i'm in the plus i'm with with barrack gold you know that gold mining company of uh, of uh, uh warren buffett you know I, i'm in profit and it's you know also mo many people don't understand the difference between between crypto because crypto you make money actually once in the four years but if you yeah, also... I just want to say based on what andrew's saying guys oh the link's gone oh well. <laughs> i was gonna say don't forget to join the freedom conference below we will be talking at the conference about how to what andrew just talked about i think it's so important how to make sure you have you know how to play the market how to know the game um and then how to generate cash flow and how to create exit plans so all that all that content and information is going to be at the freedom conference if you want to know how to do that click on the link below come check out the conference it's going to be life-changing for you but more importantly you're probably going to meet some new friends maybe some new business partners but nothing at a minimum you're going to walk out knowing how to play this game and how to create an exit plan Awesome, guys. And we're going to get right back into this content. But before we do, we got 344 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I'm going to dive into the content I think many of our listeners are actually in the building for right now as the weekly XRP chart looks extremely bullish, breaking out of nearly an 800-day bullish pennant. And we showed this. Uh, Gonzo brought it up earlier. Waters Above have been calling for this breakout for several weeks before it even happened. But as our listeners can see on the screen right now, we got confirmation of that breakout just last week. XRP moved from about 36 cents to just below 60 cents in only a few days. And not only is that significant because of the price movement, it's significant because you show me the chart, I'll tell you the news. And we're going to dive into the bullish sentiment that's happening today. But Johnny, I'd love to get your thoughts on the XRP price chart. I'm also showing the monthly chart right now for our listeners. I'm going to ask you to jump right in. The monthly chart is showing that we are due for XRP to go up to 80 cents during the month of April, after a quick pullback to about 48 cents within the market. So many of our listeners should be ready. Bullish price action could be on the way. Now, anybody who knows XRP knows that when this project moves, it pumps much harder than they anticipate. When we roll into that bear market, it does the same thing. That bear market lasts twice as long as people would like. So Johnny, I'd love to get some thoughts on the XRP price chart here. What's it mean to you, my friend? 80 cent XRP. Do you think that's coming? You know, I mean, it, when you look at the chart and you look at the setups, certainly when you bust out of, yeah, exactly. When you break out of uh, these divergent triangles, you tend to get a pump. It doesn't happen instantly. It'll it'll probably get there, like you said, maybe within the end of the month. But, I mean, you have a lot of factors here. X factors. Yes, UFC did buy the WWE. Not sure why that's relevant. But nonetheless, uh, abs there's a lot of interesting news because you have the speculation that the case is going to end and we don't know the impact of what that's going to have. I've always said that I thought, yeah, make a muscle brother. I've always said that I thought it would last, you know, maybe we'd see a pump to a dollar. Not surprising that the, the numbers show we may get somewhere in that zone. And then, you know, all that's got, and that may raise us to a whole new level, a whole new base where we're no longer sitting at 30, 40 cents, but maybe now we're sitting at 80 cents to a dollar permanently. 
wants the monkeys off their back. And that means then it's primed so that when we head into the next bull market, now without the monkey on its back, I mean, the sky could be the limit for XRP. Or I shouldn't say that because everybody's going to think 589. But, you know, now the probability of hitting a 10 or $12 XRP during the next bull run is much, much higher, in my opinion, if we can get the monkey off the back in this year before it happens. And that's what I'm looking for, Abs. I really don't care about the price charts. I'm playing my game my way. I already have my exit plans in my head and in my app. I already know what I'm doing. So I really don't care if we hit 80 cents or not. It doesn't That's not really one of the targets for me at this point. Thank you, Johnny. And I'd love to hear from Gonzo as well. We always talk about how when XRP moves, it goes higher than people anticipate, Gonzo. But it does the same thing during a bear market. And I know what the first narrative is going to be when we get our next XRP price run. Here's the utility, whether there's utility involved or not. The XRP community, every time the price moves, loves to throw that rumor out there. We're finally getting utility. Never sell your XRP. The price is going to permanently go up forever. I'd love for you to provide some reality here and tell them, what are you anticipating? Let's say we did get an 80 cent XRP. Is that really the beginning of the bull run? Or would you consider taking profits at that point because of where we are in the bear market? Um, it depends, uh, right? So I have a long-term position that like Johnny that goes into the future. And I did build a shorter term position that I will be taking profits on, right? So that I can roll those back into XRP when it rolls over or maybe into another asset. Now there's nothing wrong with, just buying and hodling for the future. Uh, I mean, it's a great investment thesis, but, but me, I, I have those bags that are like that, but I have other that are shorter term trades. Right. And so I'm expecting an auto, the automatic rally to continue. We're holding uh, fit just below 51 cents, 50, uh, like basically 50.9, right under 51 cents. Very nicely. We, we're getting these candle wicks down that we might get, you know, 47, 48 cents. But we're holding and what I see is just a bull flag that's that, that's playing out. And so I, I do think that the automatic rally is going to continue and that we're going to continue to move up. And then once we get to those eclipses and when we'll roll over and come back down. Absolutely. And I'd love to hear from Andrew Cashflow as well. Andrew, we often reference on our channel, show me the chart. I'll tell you the news. And while the XRP price chart is looking more bullish than ever, the sentiment around the Ripple versus SEC lawsuit appears to be shifting in Ripple's favor. And one of the biggest articles circulating this morning is will Coinbase relist XRP? The chief legal officer at Coinbase actually believes they should. We're also going to dive into an article later today talking about how the rat snake weasel Gary Gensler said he gets to decide what a security is, not the legislation that's in place today. But I'd like to get some thoughts from you on the XRP price chart before that. Andrew, how do you feel about the XRP price chart looking bullish right as this XRP lawsuit seems to be shifting in Ripple's favor? You know, there is so much social sentiment at the moment because everything what gets attention that grows. And that's what you also see here. And, and actually, you should make use of that volatility. And what, what Gonzo says is also a very good strategy. You know, have a bag that you say, okay, I hold forever. And another bag that is your play money. Try to get out your, your own money and, and play with it, buying, selling, because you see XRP is going up and down and up and down. However, if, if XRP will be relisted on Coinbase, I think it will pump at the same moment and, and even before already. After which it will go again, maybe 30, 40, 50% down again. So who will be captured? Everyone who feels, oh, I'm, I'm, I have FOMO and I need to go in and they will be wrecked. And guess, guess who is selling when it goes up and guess who's, who's buying when it goes down. 
The elites, my friend, the elites. And Johnny And we. And we. Us and the elites. Yes. That's spot on, Johnny. I want to get your thoughts on this as well. We've talked about this for quite a while. When XRP gets relisted, sorry, when Coinbase lists a new token onto their platform, guys, that token will typically pump about 29% before it's even listed on the exchange. What did we see last week? When Flare Network was rumored to be listed onto Coinbase, that token actually pumped 29% before it even got listed. Now, Johnny, Andrew just brought up something really important. When XRP gets relisted on an exchange like Coinbase, not only is there going to be buying pressure from the exchange itself, there's going to be massive FOMO in the market to try and capture that price as it's rising before it gets listed on the exchange. But we always say on this channel, uh, buy the rumor, sell the news. That's another situation that's going to take place. XRP price is going to run up before it gets listed. When it gets put onto an exchange like Coinbase, I can guarantee this. I've been in this market for three and a half years now. I guarantee this is what will happen. The price will go up and then it will come down on the back end. When retail investors are expecting the XRP price to pump, it will be falling and people will be saying, I have no idea why. Well, here's the reason. The price pump comes before the listing. The exit liquidity comes after. They are going to use the listing on Coinbase to dump on retail investors. And Johnny, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. How do you feel about Coinbase? An average token runs 30% on a listing. What are you anticipating for XRP? Yeah, I mean, so 30% is 15 cents. Like, who cares, right? I don't really care. I actually agree with this guy down here, Brendan, where I don't think actually Coinbase will relist it. Um, because they're already in trouble with the SEC. Why would they give the SEC more ammunition to go after them by listing something that right now is uncertain whether it's a security or not because it's in court? So it just doesn't make smart, prudent sense. But like somebody said in our chat, talk is cheap, and it makes it makes Coinbase rally with the XRP army base by saying they're going to relist it. Um, but the reality is, you know, there's something different about relisting XRP because the fact that XRP is owned by a lot of people already. So it's not like a new coin. And, and I'm not sure where you were referring to the 30%. If that's typically when a new coin gets relisted, I could see that. But for a coin like XRP that's not new and fully saturated, unless you have a whole bunch of brand new, unknown people coming in into the space, I'm not so sure you're going to see 30%, but maybe. I mean, I don't care. I don't know. That's just my guess is I feel like it's a different scenario. I mean, keep this in mind, Johnny, when you talk about a price moving up on exchanges, a lot of that has to do with the lack of liquidity within the individual exchange. Like one of the reasons that we saw Quant's price target run throughout the last couple of months is there was such a few amount of tokens actually sitting on exchanges waiting to be sold. If companies like Coinbase, Uphold, Kraken, all these different exchanges begin relisting XRP within the same couple of weeks, not only is there going to be massive demand from the exchanges themselves, there's going to be massive demand from traders who are leveraged in this market looking to make a profit on those relistings. And I think that's where the liquidity is coming from. It does not have to be new buyers saying, I'm putting long-term capital into these projects. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, that's what we're going to have to see is how much are they going to buy in reserves if they even tend to buy any reserves. They just have to create a market. They don't necessarily need to have a ton of reserves to be able to uh, close a deal between two sides. But I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. That's what I'm curious actually to see which way it goes. But I agree with Andrew. No matter which way it happens, it's going to be a pump up and then a reset back down to maybe a, a new higher base. But I don't think it's going to be significant until we get the news. If it happens with the news of a settlement or win, that's a whole different story. And, and that's what we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, you know, I agree with with Abs saying all you have to do is see what happened last week when we got the original like price movement. A lot of that came from the billions of dollars of trading that happened in the Asian markets, right? 
there was tons of volume that came in. I think it was Corbett that usually is, you know, run by Bitcoin and Ethereum. 50% of their trading volume was uh, XRP. Now, I know that there could be wash trading and all that stuff, but there's a lot to be said about the Asian markets causing these pumps or starting to run and bringing trade volume in. So, um, but yeah, like you guys say, uh, what goes up must come down. It's not going to go up forever. It's not going to be sustainable. It's not going to be sustainable. Andrew, I'd love to get some thoughts from you as well. But before we do that, we got 444 live listeners joining us on this Monday. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny Crypto referenced it early in the episode. Guys, if you haven't taken advantage of this unique opportunity, now is the time to do so. On April 14th and 15th, our team is going to be having a live conference in Mesa, Arizona, where not only is Coach JV going to be present, the majority, if not every single member of our team will be there talking about unique wealth, wealth building opportunities and how we can learn from Johnny Crypto to create generational wealth. And that's, of course, a joke for my friend. But Gonzo, sorry, Andrew Cashflow, I did want to get some thoughts from you as well. We are about to dive into this article talking about how Coinbase should relist XRP because of the existing laws that are in today. But before we even do that, we should talk about what's happening outside of America, as uh, countries around the world are working on collapsing the U.S. dollar. And we got a little evidence of that this morning. And we got all these live listeners in here. Most of you are here for crypto content. I'm sneaking this in because this is very, very important. So Justin, Saudi Arabia, Russia, the UAE, Iraq, and several other countries are going to be cutting oil production output until the end of 2023. This is a chess move against the United States in order to annex us away from these oil markets. And this is a video of Brad Garlinghouse back in 2018, sorry, October of 2019, talking about how crypto could be dominated by China if Bitcoin was created by the Chinese government. No, if the so-called creator of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, even exists, is it a man, a woman, a person? Have you met this person? Do you believe oh, yeah, it's I, I, a I human? Like maybe you're Satoshi Nakamoto. <laughs> I, I could be. I mean, is that just a concept that's made up? Well, I think it's clear that you know that someone published a paper or some group of people published a paper that was the Bitcoin white paper, uh, and Satoshi Nakamoto is the moniker assigned to that. Uh, is that a person? Is that a group of people? I don't know. Homme de guerre. Yes. Uh, yeah, someone obviously knows, and there are various theories about who, what group of people. I happen to believe it's probably two or three people who represent what is Satoshi Nakamoto, and uh, maybe one day we'll know the truth. Mm. He said, there's no. maybe two or three people who represent Satoshi Nakamoto, and maybe one day we'll know the truth. Well, according to Homeland Security, it was four individuals tracked down in California and the 441 live listeners. If you haven't seen this video, this, this is going to be mind-blowing. We looked at Bitcoin. It was the most prevalent at that point. We had seized quite a bit of it, millions of dollars worth under the Silk Road investigation. So one of our agents who started looking at another online marketplace um, through the deep web, what was called Black Market Reloaded, they were sending weapons um, through packages and through app, ordering them on the dark web. And he was really, really smart, forward-leaning agent. He goes, I want to go interview Satoshi Nakamoto. And we're like, what? He said, yeah, I want to go interview this guy. And at the time, we're like, hey, it's a figment of somebody's imagination. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not true. So, you know, we had all this pushback from our headquarters and we thought, Hey, if an agent wants to go talk to him and we have some money, why don't we send him? Let's find out how this works. So as it came to be, the agents flew out to California and they realized that he wasn't alone in creating this. There were three other people and he, they sat down and met with them and talked to them to find out how this actually works and what their reason for it was. 
And so this is the question that many Bitcoiners are afraid to answer, just unwilling, really not sure why nobody's willing to address this. And Gonzo, I'd love to start with you here. The Homeland Security tracking down the Satoshi 4 and identifying that they are from California. It's a little bit beneficial to know that Satoshi was actually a United States citizen, even if he's working for the NSA or the CIA. At least this company isn't Chinese controlled. But what I'd like to focus on is people always talk about how Bitcoin it's essentially a gift from God. Somebody came here, created this code and evaporated from existence, never to be seen again. Clearly that's not the case. And Homeland Security proved that to us in this video. What does that mean to you? While I show our listeners a video of how the government could be selling $1.2 billion worth of Bitcoin later this year. Yeah. You know, um, I've, I've always thought that it was a group of people. When you look at like the, the cyberpunks and that whole ethos and you read the, the Bitcoin white paper, um, I, I do think it was a group of, of people. I think it was that group of four that they talk about. And yeah, maybe Homeland Security does know who it is. But at, at the end of the day, knowing who the developers are, does it change my investment thesis? Does it change anything technology-wise on Bitcoin? No, not for me. Everybody's going to have their own opinion. Um, you know, that, that Satoshi wallet has laid dormant um, for a very, very long time. Um, at this point, even if they activated and they dumped it and they crashed the price, uh, it wouldn't go to zero. It would absolutely destroy the price. But I think a lot of people would take the opportunity to buy in, right? And then that part of it would be over. So, you know, to each his own, but it doesn't change my investment thesis at all. Yeah. Go ahead, and listen, guys, the secret is out. Mr. Wright figured it out. All right. Just keep this. So, Gonzo, I just want to make sure, you know, does that change your mind? That you know, maybe one of the four people have been identified. It is out there, but but on a serious note, Abs, I agree with God. So I, it doesn't matter to me who created it. At the end of the day, um, as Yusko said, when the technology is out there, usually the one that gets adopted first will be the one that is the forerunner. And right now, we know there's no question about it that Bitcoin is entrenched in the whole entire world. I mean, governments, countries are running off of this thing right now. Right? You've got then that people in Nigeria using it. You've got the people of Venezuela. You've got people that are starting to realize there's an alternative means outside of it. And now, unless all these governments shut down the whole entire internet, I, I you know, and I know you know, we've got something on Quincy coming, but I just don't, I think Bitcoin is here to stay in some form or fashion. Yeah. I mean, they can, they could ban it in the United States if they want to, and it's still going to keep going, right? 80% of the Bitcoin is held outside of the world. Um, and goes. you know what? And it's funny that we're talking about like Satoshi Nakamoto because his birthday is on Wednesday, right? And if you listen to uh, Mark Fusco's interview, the reason they came up with April 5th was because April 5th is when FDR signed that act that made, uh, you know, owning gold illegal. And so they think that that date was, you know, picked specifically for a certain reason. Last year uh, on his 47th birthday, Bitcoin reached up to 47,000, a little bit over 47,000, and then it rolled over. So this year, I wouldn't be surprised because uh, we live in the matrix that uh, we're going to break 48% Bitcoin dominance on his 48th birthday. But we'll see how it goes. Gonzo, you just brought up how in the past, the government has not only outlawed, but confiscated your gold. Well, here's Christine Lagarde giving us an eerie picture of what the future could look like with central bank digital currencies. As Christine Lagarde clearly said this weekend, you spend above a thousand euros, you're operating in a gray area. No, the problem is they don't want to be controlled. Uh, they don't want to... Uh... Yeah, but you know what? You know what? <laughs> Now we have in Europe this 
threshold above 1,000 euros, you cannot pay cash. If you do, you're on the gray market. Andrew, I got to go to you as a European citizen. He just wow. talked about, you heard a little glimpse of it there. They're worried about losing control. What does she do? Avoids the question, push that to the side and says, hey, here's how the rules exist today. They've already lost their freedom. So I'd love to get some thoughts from you, Andrew. How do you feel about Christine Lagarde and her narrative to outlaw cash above a $1,000 transaction? Um, you know, it's, it's even worse because banks are currently, uh, or, or there is a law that, that banks are currently... Uh, tracking all the payments from bank to bank, from, from account to account, higher than $100. And all that information is given to the government. So, and about, about cash payments, a lot of people love that they do not have cash. So ma many, many people do not see it as a problem that they do not have any cash anymore. So they have no ID. And of course, it will it is not promoted that 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 cash is, is your freedom. And if it takes cash away, that it takes your freedom away. But yeah, it is, it is what it is. And that's why we always say, you know, go invest into stuff that cannot be printed. Yeah, keep it outside the system. And that, that's an important lesson. And you know, and, and what Christine Lagarde says, yeah, uh, she says one thing and, and does another thing. It, it's all a teether and, and you know, do, just do not listen. Clearly her agenda is to not only bring in a one world currency, she does want one world policy. And for me personally, somebody who's an advocate of freedom, that gets me a little bit concerned. And Gonzo, I'd love to get your thoughts on this next article. But before we do that, we got 471 live listeners joining us on this Monday. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Not only are we going to be in April for, sorry, not only are we going to be in Arizona for the 15th, pretty soon we're going to be launching a historic application Tell, telling and helping our whole community take profit during the next bull run. And we're going to show you that right now, the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com, that's MerlinCrypto.com, and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Not only is it the smartest way to track your crypto, anybody who went through the 2021 bull run knows this key detail. When projects are going up, exchanges go down. That includes Coinbase, Uphold, any of the exchanges that you're currently operating on, those exchanges get flooded with volume and aren't able to execute sales as well as buys during a bull run. Well, a product like Merlin is actually a solution to that because Merlin allows you to create an exit plan and automatically buy and sell based on price targets. And that's what we're focused on here, guys. So please check out our absolutely free application. It's the first link down below in our video. Please smash that follow button. Give us some feedback. Hey, abs, abs, let me just hop in there for a second. So the buy and sell is, is not going to be in the first version, but that'll be in our second version. So not necessarily out the gate, 
but that'll be something that we plan to do at some point later on in time and, for sure. And let me add something additionally. If you really want to understand buy and sell orders, limit orders, stop loss orders, there's a, there's a smart investor course where you exactly learn how to let your profits run. You know, and uh, I would say come to the Treaty Academy and we teach you everything to make generational wealth. Absolutely, guys. You're just getting a teaser here on Good Morning Crypto. If you want the full meal, hop into the Academy and you'll get an instant access to us every day. But let's break down this video because the title of our video today was Coinbase is supporting Ripple. We're going to break down all the details here. And we got 459 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out these amazing details in regards to the XRP lawsuit. So will Coinbase relist XRP as Coinbase chief legal officer agrees with John Deaton, investment contracts do not constitute securities. Paul Gruel pointed out that Deaton's stance on what constitutes an investment contract is similar to Coinbase's position. The chief legal officer at Coinbase agrees with attorney John Deaton on what constitutes an investment contract. Notably, he calls for Coinbase to relist XRP and have re-emerged after the recent remarks. Gruel recently made these comments in response to Deaton's latest uh, elaborate explanation on why digital assets sold in the secondary market cannot be considered securities or investment contracts. Gruel noted that for something to qualify as an investment contract, it must involve an investment and a contract, which does not exist in the Ripple ecosystem. Mr. Deaton is exactly right on what investment contracts must include. They must have both an investment and a contract, and those terms are set by Congress and interpreted by the Supreme Court. Neither is present when it comes to secondary sales of digital assets, and that's exactly why XRP should be relisted on Coinbase. And Johnny, I'd love to pause it here and get some remarks from you. How do you feel about the chief legal officer at Coinbase making these bold remarks in the middle of a lawsuit against the SEC? Well, I feel conflicted because if he feels that way, he didn't just start feeling that way today. He probably felt that way two years ago. And the question is, why isn't it relisted? What, what's going on here? So the talk is cheap. You know, the reality is um, if you really feel this way, then you shouldn't have delisted it in the first place. And secondly, I totally agree with exactly what they're saying. They're 100% right that in the secondary sales of it, you know, which they would be participating in now, absolutely. Absolutely no security here at all. We all know that. The whole world knows that. And that's why Ripple and XRP is not under the gun for being, you know, as a security today. It's going after them in 2013 when it launched. Let's not lose sight of the case. It's for the 2013 execution and work that was done then and not today. So you're right. It behooves, it, it baffles me that nobody wants to carry this thing. But I think they're afraid that if the SEC were to win, and it were deemed a security that that would you know overrule what their interpretation is, and that's why they're being conservative and not listing it. But you know they're going against their own conscience. To me, it's baffling. To be honest with you, Gonzo, I'd like to get some additional thoughts as well. We showed a video last week of Tom Emmer, a United States representative who is actually an advocate for cryptocurrencies. But one of our listeners commented something I think you should address here, Gonzo. It said if Genzo says all cryptos are securities, then Coinbase relisting XRP doesn't give the SEC any more ammunition because as we know, they already believe XRP is a security. Wouldn't be anything new there. So just some brief thoughts before I play our next video. How do you feel about XRP being relisted, not giving the SEC any additional ammunition? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before. You know, by definition, when you're talking about secondary sales, there is no investment or 
contract, right? Because it's between two people and they have nothing to do with the original issuer, right? And it's already been kind of determined in the library case, that was the ruling that happened. Um, and so, but I can see why, you know, Coinbase doesn't want to relist it just yet, right? And that's the problem with the original lawsuit, right? That the SEC threw out there is it was very vague, right? And it sucked in secondary sales. And that's the problem. That's why we need that clarity. It's not like the, when they rolled out the original lawsuit, they said, hey, look, uh, this thing, uh, the way you rolled it out or you packaged it at the beginning was a security, but it's not a security right now or secondary sales are not because we would have been fine, right? The fact that it's so general is the problem. And now we need Judge Torres to kind of make that um, that that clarification. Um, so, yeah. Johnny, one of the things that we've seen from Gary Gensler throughout this week, and we're going to break an article down right now talking about how Gary Gensler said these words exactly. He said he decides what a security is, not the legislation. Does that sound like a democracy to you? Absolutely not. But guys, we got 460 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny Crypto, we're going to break down that Gary Gensler article. But before we do that, we're going to show you why America needs to adopt cryptocurrency. We got $32 trillion in debt in this country. We got to figure out how to balance our budget. And then guess what? You want crypto and everything associated with it to grow here, to innovate and grow here, because that will grow the economic pie for everyone. Republicans, Democrats, that's the only way, I'm going to tell you right now, my belief is that's the only way that you can deal with $32 trillion in debt. The, the only other way would be to declare the uh, country bankrupt and go into reorganization and tell people that they're going to take haircuts for debts and we're going to pay this back, we're going to prioritize that. You, this is a company, this, the United States of America, that has uh, not been managed well. Uh, crypto is a big part of the answer, I believe, in how you grow it. I, I want to remind our listeners what he said there. America is a company that has not been managed well. America is not a country, it's a corporation. And our representatives understand that better than we do. Johnny Crypto, open floor, my friend. What's this video mean to you? Well, God, there's so much to unpack there. I could spend the whole show just on the one statement. First of all, you know, Tom Emmer's, you know, if you're out, and I think he's Minnesota, if you're out there, support that guy. Go get your ass out and go vote for him whenever his time is to vote for again. Keep him in there. We need crypto advocates like him in Congress speaking on behalf of it. <clears throat> but abs, you got to really listen to the part he said afterwards. He said, this is the part that caught me. He said, if the only other option, if we don't use crypto to grow the economy, um, is we default, wipe the whole debt clear, wipe everybody's debt clear, and then start all over again. And <clears throat> that's a very, very scary scenario that don't be surprised someday if that were to happen. I mean, that would be a bad scenario, but that's something that, you know, we've heard talk passed around there in the past. So let's hope that, you know, folks get their shit together in Congress and pass some regulation. Let's get crypto out there. We have been saying all along, crypto can bring jobs. Innovation brings jobs. And we need that to happen. And we want it to start here in the U.S. And we know it's not. We know we're already behind. But hopefully... They make a move on this and we can start moving that ball quickly so we can catch up. Absolutely. And Gonzo, I'd like to get some thoughts from you as well. What's really interesting here, there's several things. So let's actually break down something that I found over the weekend that's slightly disappointing. Shout out to Ben Armstrong here, pulling up the details about who's actually leading Elizabeth Warren's anti-crypto campaign across America. 
when politicians like this run campaigns, they need funding. So let's figure out who's funding the campaign to shut down crypto in the United States. That would not only be Gary Gensler, but here's a list of Elizabeth Warren's largest donors from the year 2022. We had Alphabet Inc. coming in at 700,000, Apple, which about 275 grand, Amazon, 240,000, Microsoft, 200 grand, Walt Disney, 150, AT&T, 150. And there's several others, including the state of California, the state of New York, Harvard, and so on. Not only promoting Elizabeth Warren, but funding the campaign to shut down crypto in America. And Gonzo, I'd like to get some thoughts from you before we kick it to Andrew. America currently pays Elizabeth Warren through our taxpayer money, 170,000 per year. When we go through this list of political donations, very brief math right off the top of my head, this is well over $3 million in political donations for 2022. So the question I have for you, Gonzo, is why would we think she's representing the American citizens when the corporations of America are the ones funding her campaign? Uh, you know, she doesn't, right? You're right. You're, you're spot on, Abs. Because, and, and that's like a short list because we talked about this last week where, you know, like you said, she makes uh, 170. I think the stat I saw was like 280,000 a year, but she's worth 65 million. How did she accumulate all of that 65 million? It wasn't by being a good senator and, you know, saving her little dimes and nickels on her, you know, yearly salary. It was because of what she represents and how they donate money and how they pay her to speak, right? Like we, we've seen that interview she is all about central bank digital currencies and she's not trying to regulate crypto. She's trying to kill crypto. She's trying to eradicate it so that they can come in with their central bank digital currency. It's funny when you hear her talk about like, um, like basically uh, how she talks about Bitcoin. She talks about it being created out of thin air, but she's actually describing our, our the same government fiat backed money is really printed out of thin air, right? We've printed most of the supply of money in the, in the last few years. And so it's crazy hearing her talk because when she talks about things being created out of thin air, it's our fiat money system that we have right now that they're able to print out of thin air. But she's not trying to regulate anything. She's not trying to meet anyone halfway. She's absolutely trying to kill it. Why? And she'll tell you because she's running for president and she thinks that central bank digital, digital, digital currencies are the best thing since sliced bread. She's running for president, but 50 million Americans in America today own cryptocurrency and she is directly moving against those people. And I want to remind people, we've got 462 live listeners joining us. Smash that like button. Thank you for being here. But I want to remind people about this. Bitcoin was never built to take over the bank's legacy system. It was built to be an alternative. So when you see politicians like Elizabeth Warren and Gary Gensler speaking out against it, We're going to provide the evidence as to why they have that stance. Not only is it the companies funding their campaign, but they are incentivized to shut down decentralized currencies. With Bitcoin, there's no thing that backs it up. And and that's what makes it different. It's just belief. You and I assess. You assess the value is going to go down. I assess it's going to go up. And therefore, I bought. So So it's more like this artwork. No, because at the end of the day, I'm hitting that thing on my wall. Right. And I can enjoy it or I can throw darts at it. That's how you value your currency, guys. Can you throw a dart in the U.S. dollar? That's what gives it its value. Johnny Crypto, Gonzo, I'm kicking it right to you guys. Johnny, let's start with you. And then we'll get, actually, we'll kick it to Andrew Cashflow after. That's the narrative you're always going to hear is it's not backed by the government. That's what they're going to tell you. That's the narrative 
They're going to slam that into your head over and over and over again. And that it's not real money unless it's backed by the government. And they're going to do everything in their power to make things that aren't backed by the government fail. So they could tell you it failed because it wasn't backed by the government. And that's what you're going to hear over and over and over and over again. And that's why we told you a long time ago you were going to hear this. And guess what? What are you hearing? What did she just say? Crypto bad, centralized currency is good, my friends. Told you, we told you one year before they started saying it that this was going to be starting to be said. That's why I wrote it down. And now it's you're going to hear it every every single day. And so it's just it's it's a sad thing that it's coming, but it is coming. There ain't a damn thing we could do to stop it. But you need to be able to diversify your investments. It's really the only thing you could do to protect yourself. You know, she talks about belief in the video, right? Like, oh, it's just the belief, right? Is that not the same for the banking system? Like, it's all built on confidence, right? Because it's a Ponzi scheme. And if people lose confidence and they go and pull their money out, their money's not there. That's what a bank run is. So it's hilarious that she's using all of these things that describe the legacy financial system or the banking system, but she's, you know, connecting it to like cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin. Yeah, um, I'm actually Andrew oh. Castle's on. He's trying to speak. He's on mute. Uh, Andrew Castle, you're on mute, my friend. And why is why is money so important for governments? You know, and why is tax invented by a government? It's of course it's because then they need money to build roads and bridges, but it is also to enforce behavior to 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 the public. And the the more you, you control you have over money, you more you can force particular behavior to people that that's why they they take the the the, the for example the money away from people and central bank digital currency makes it so easy to take your money away that you will think twice that you say yeah i, I don't do this because yeah they, they will shut me up from the system and you know uh, in in, uh, in maybe 300 years ago they, they would kill you and nowadays yeah yeah they, they cancel you financially Absolutely, Andrew Cashflow. And I think there's a reason that Gary Gensler and and the uh, SEC officials of today feel that they have the green light to shut down crypto in the United States. That's because they literally have the green light from the president of the United States to go out, bring crypto into traditional finance and let the companies who are promoting these campaigns, Bank of America, JP Morgan, Chase Bank, many of the billion dollar institutions, they're going to custody your crypto and they're going to centralize this market. But guys, we got 493 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Gonzo, I'm coming to you first on this article as Brad Garlinghouse was calling out Gary Gensler this weekend. He said for the chair of the SEC to assert that he dictates what is a security and not the legislation is beyond comprehension. It's time for elected officials in the U.S. to take notice and wake up against these unelected officials. When you behave like an autocrat running a $2.2 billion bloated agency, said Brad Garlinghouse, why would you ever provide clarity about what's in or out? Without clear jurisdiction, ambiguity masquerades as power. Read that again, said Brad Garlinghouse. And the article that he was actually referring to, Gonzo, is this one we're showing on our screen right now. As the Securities and Exchange Commission's lead chair, Gary Gensler, said that he decides what a security is, not necessarily legislation. He also said that additional legislation is unnecessary for crypto, but should Congress act, it's important that lawmakers do not undermine existing laws. So Gonzo, what he's stating in clear English here is Gary Gensler says, don't underlie the SEC's enforcement actions. If you want to bring in rules, Congress, give us more power. So what does it mean to you that Brad Garlinghouse is making these bold statements while this lawsuit is still ongoing? I think he's right. You know, it just shows you how drunk with power Gensler is because 
He does not determine what a security is. You know, Congress can, makes the laws. He's there to enforce them when people are breaking the laws, right? These are just his interpretations. And even when he slaps somebody with the lawsuit, he still hasn't made the determination. Sometimes the companies give in because they don't have the money and they settle. But companies like Ripple or maybe possibly now Coinbase are going to take it to the courts, right? And then the courts will determine what a security is or whether it's a security or not, right? And if it goes all the way up to the Supreme Court, it's a Supreme Court that will make a decision on if something is a security or not, or if it was packaged as a security or not, not Gary Gensler. Absolutely. But, you know, he preys on these companies and they're not able to defend themselves. And so he's gotten away with it for a very, very long time. And you know what's interesting, Gonzo, is they're making these bold statements right now. This is Stuart Alderati's leading statement after the Brad Garlinghouse tweet. He said, suddenly now saying that you haven't prejudged every crypto, he's referring to Gary Gensler here, as a security after being called out publicly for prejudging crypto as a security doesn't unring the bell. Words have consequences even for unelected senior bureaucrats. And uh, I wish he was right. A lot of times there really is no consequences. So Johnny, Give us your comments and we'll kick it to Andrew. Leave me some time because I want to play a video showing how these banks are insolvent. Yeah, so I'll just say this, Abs. Nothing will happen to them. Nothing. 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 You know what's going to happen to them? No, I lied. I'm wrong. You know what's going to happen to Gensler? He's going to get, as a reward for doing this, he's going to get to be the next Treasury Secretary. That's what's going to happen. That's going to be his punishment. Oh, yeah, right. Nothing bad is going to happen to these guys. They just get rewarded. He, He will be. You know, most likely somewhere higher up in the government in this next go around. Guarantee it. Mark the words. You heard it here today on 4-3-2023. Absolutely. And anybody who wasn't watching on Friday, Andrew, Johnny Crypto called Friday the end of the U.S. dollar. And although it sounds like fear-mongering, in many ways, I do agree. Not only are these banks on the brink of insolvency, the U.S. dollar is being removed from countries like Russia, China, Saudi Arabia, and Brazil. And we're not a currency-focused channel. We're a digital asset-focused channel. So I'm not going to break down the details here. But that is the biggest distraction that you are being pointed away from. They're telling you focus on Trump. They're telling you focus on TikTok. Meanwhile, there's not money in the banks. And the U.S. dollar is losing more value by the day than it has over the past decade. But guys, before we get some comments from Andrew, I'd love to break down this important video talking about how today, 90% of banks are currently insolvent. Hey guys, a new article by Nuriel Rubini, Dr. Doom of 2008 fame, argues, quote, most U.S. banks are technically near insolvency and hundreds are already fully insolvent. Of course, thanks to fractional reserve, I prefer the term fictional reserve, all banks in the U.S., essentially all banks in the world, are technically bankrupt all the time. Their immediate liabilities exceed their immediate assets because they pretend imaginary dollars are sitting waiting for grandma when those dollars are actually out roaming the streets. By the way, I've got more on fractional reserve on the substack at the end of the video. So back to Dr. Doom. Thing is, he's not even talking about fictional reserve. He's talking about actual insolvency, as in even with the exorbitant privilege of fictional reserve, most banks, according to Rubini, are bankrupt. To see why, the banking system has about $2.2 trillion in equity. Equity is the difference between a bank's assets and what it owes, primarily deposits. Set against this buffer, the FDIC estimates that banks have at least $620 billion in unrealized losses. $620 billion in unrealized losses. And what are they doing? Little banks are collapsing so the big banks can come in 
inject liquidity and also absorb those clients. And that's what we're seeing in America today. There's some oh. scary, scary details. Johnny, actually, give me your thoughts before I play the end of the video. No, that's exactly what's happening. They're shaking them out. They're shut. They're squeezing out all. This happened a hundred years ago in 2020, uh, 1920s. They're squeezing out another round of all the smaller banks, the ones that are insolvent or you know took some wrong bets or risks, or the ones they want to shut down, like the crypto ones. They're squeezing them all out, and then they're buying them up for pennies on the dollar in the client list. And then you're gonna see, just like what they did to the media channels when we used to have you know 73 people owning the media channels. You got. Yeah. Now you're gonna oh yeah, yeah, it was pretty good actually. Now you have only six, you're gonna have like the you're gonna have like five or six large, large major banks running everything, and then you know, maybe you have a small subset, but that is uh that's gonna be a very, very interesting uh, you know, when there's less people like that. Oh, then you know, when there's less people like that, less banks around, there's less competition, it's not good for it's not good for the the consumer in the long run. And as you can see, Andrew, these charts are clear. Saudi Arabia trades more in China than the USA and European combined. The US dollar decline is written on the walls for everyone to see. And these charts, look at the massive difference that's taken place since the C-19 crisis. China has gotten a huge leg up and $87 billion worth of liquidity transferred. America has taken a huge step down, down to only $25 billion per year being used in the petrodollar. And guys, this is humongous for two reasons, not only because it's orchestrated, this is planned. The U.S. is willingly, either they're so dumb they don't see it coming and guys like us do, or the U.S. is coordinating this, handing the power over to China and saying, okay, we're okay with being in second place. This country, it's not what it was 20 years ago anyways. But guys, we're going to play the end of this clip here and kick it right back to the cash flow himself. Here we go. And that's exactly what's happening now. On top of over $120 billion flooding from small banks to large banks because of FDIC's mixed messages. Nick Bontia has been tracking the outflows from the banking system as a whole. In the last month, about 300 billion came out of the banks. Where's all that money going? Some could be going to coffee cans and home saves, but overwhelmingly it's going to money market funds, which are a non-bank way to park cash that currently pays over 4%. By the way, if you're familiar with a stable coin, money market funds are basically stable coins. Credit to Ovik Roy for that insight. Now, all those outflows shrink the money supply fast. They're deflationary. Because money markets can't fractional reserve and coffee cans definitely can't fractional reserve. I'll talk more about deflation and the subsequent inflation. Sorry, I played that clip a little bit too long. The point that I was trying to show, Andrew, is that these banks are insolvent and the FDIC is talking about how billions are flowing out every single day. 300 billion just flowed out last month. But I'm realizing we only have a couple of minutes left. So let's connect it to this article before I kick it to you, Andrew. Ripple ODL partner launches SEPA payments in Europe. This is so big for XRP holders. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Trianglo aims to facilitate lightning fast cross-border payments in Europe with the recently introduced payment solution. Trianglo is a Ripple on-demand liquidity partner and leading cross-border payment provider, announced the launch of an instant single euro payments area called SEPA, a solution aimed at facilitating lightning fast payments all throughout Europe. The move marked a significant European expansion for the firm and came across as cross-border transactions are becoming instant. The SEPA is currently facilitating over $43 billion worth of transactions annually. And the company, they're making this move with it, the anticipation of a substantial rise in cross-border settlement in just the coming months. So this is during 2023, they're expecting this growth. And Andrew, I'd love to get some thoughts from you. Any of our listeners who are watching on YouTube, we're showing you the list of countries participating in this today. 
Andrew Cashflow. You can take the floor either way. Feel free to address this article or the previous video that we just mentioned. What's most important to you, my friend? Um, let me give a short reaction on, uh, on, on, on this article with, with the SIPA uh, uh, payments. I mean, within Europe, we already have a fantastic fast payment system. If, if I make a payment to you, Eps, within from a European bank account to another European bank account, it is a matter of seconds before it's there. And I think what they are doing now, because the system is already fast, what they are doing now is taking out all that sitting liquidity and they use it with, uh, with, with ODL. And that's a, that's a fantastic system because then you free up money that can, can flow around. But coming back to this, uh, to this pre uh, previous article, the, the fractional or the, 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 the fractional reserve banking system, actually, it is not a very bad system, fractional reserve banking. However, the people who are using it, is that they are speculating with that money and making stu stupid decisions. So, and what we had a, a while ago, there was a proposal in the, with, with, within Europe and the Dutch government to make a deposit bank. So that means that you can put your money in a bank and that you can choose, either you say, I, I, I agree with the 0.1% interest, uh, 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 or I say, okay, bank, I allow you to take my money and use it for speculation purposes or use it to give it to other people for mortgages or that kind of stuff. So at least separate those two targets and make two separate uh, uh, bank systems or two separate bank entities. That either you are a deposit bank or you are a speculation bank. And then the people at least can choose themselves what they want to do. And you, if you say, okay, I want to go into a speculation bank, then of course you get the risk of losing your money and that's fair. So I think as soon as we start discovering such kind of systems and, but no, no, yeah, there is no one bank that is willing that because yeah, they get only cheap money and they, they think everything goes up. Now, yeah, you see what's happening now. One after the other bank goes, uh, goes, goes bust. And, uh, but I think well, in the U S they denied it. Right. So that was Caitlin long that's what she's trying to do with custodian bank. They were trying to become, a bank that was deposit kind of only. And the uh, they told them that it was too risky, that that model was too risky and they denied Custodia and they're suing. Isn't that crazy? It is BS yeah. and it's fully BS. Yep. Right. Let me see. Yeah. Having 100% of liquidity on, on hand is too risky. Yeah, it is too risky to the bank system that it created. That's the problem. Speaking of risky, guys, we got a dicey interview coming up as Jeremy Hogan is going to be joining the show on this Wednesday. We're going to be breaking down everything involving the Rippleverse SEC lawsuit, but also the state of American regulation today and what he believes could happen if we do decide to adopt crypto or if we continue to push this technology out of the United States. We're going to close this show out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Andrew Cashflow. Thank you to Gonzo. And thank you to Johnny Crypto himself. We got 463 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, guys, get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Let's go. Love you guys.